Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Rebecca. And this is Full Plate, Full Cup. We're startup leaders turned executive coaches who believe that you deserve to be wildly successful and wildly happy. We interview trailblazing entrepreneurs, business leaders, and creatives so you can peek behind the curtain of how they got where they are today and start carving your own path towards success. Each episode shares personal stories as well as actionable takeaways that you can apply to begin living a more joyful and fulfilling life. Join us to learn how to scale your business, harness your power, and fill your cup. If you like what you hear, subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend. Thanks for listening. All right. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Full Plate, Full Cup. Today, we have an incredible guest. We are so excited. He is literally joining us from his co-packing facility. So you know we are talking to an entrepreneur, Quentin Venny. Quentin is one of the most inspiring people we know. And one thing that I love most about Quentin is how often and openly he gives gratitude. Quentin and I have known each other for nearly a decade. We met when I worked at My Buddy Green and he came out with his book. And I recently found out that Quentin and Amanda used to serve on a nonprofit board together. So this is just going to be one big reunion of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, let me introduce Quentin officially. Co-founder of The Equity Co., Quentin Venny is a celebrated wellness expert, international keynote speaker, advocate for mental health, and author of the best-selling memoir, Strong in the Broken Places. Quentin, welcome. We are so stoked to have you here. You know, we adore you. No, I love it. Thank you so much. It's an honor and privilege to, to be a part of this. Thank you for thinking of me for it. Yeah, Rebecca always. thought you were. She was the only one that knew you, and I was like, "Oh no, uh, uh-uh. uh, no, we go back to." But we'll talk. And about I was it. like, "I reached out to Quentin. I got the connect." And Amanda's yeah, like, "Uh, like, uh, uh, girlfriend." <laughs> like, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, this is amazing. Like, two of my favorite people. Hmm. You know, it was incredible to actually see. You know, this whole thing come together. Right? It's like when you think about the dynamic between the two of you, and 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 we met in completely different realms. Right? But to think about like how you both are and and operate and what you believe in your practices and how you you literally embody everything that you speak it was a nat- for me it was like a natural connection that you two would do something it was only a matter of time like i think i saw it a long time ago it was like i hope they see it too you know uh and clearly you know we, everybody was on the same wavelength and so this has been amazing to watch you know, to really just sit back and bear witness to everything that you all are doing. So truly an honor and, and a privilege to be here. Thank and now you. I'm actually crying. Well, Quentin, you, I want to turn the spotlight on you because you have so much wisdom to share. You currently run an organic tea company, Equity centered around well-being, but I know that, you know, it was a long time to get from where you started to where you are today. You didn't grow up sipping tea and meditating and doing yoga and visiting co-packing facilities and doing podcasts. Can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing, just to paint a picture for everyone of, you know, where you started? Yeah, you know, it's, I'm grateful that we get to start there, right? Because I look at everything as as intentional, right? Like even the things that we don't, we can't see for ourselves, like a higher power, God, the universe, whatever you believe in, it's always been written, right? It's just, it's really up to us to see where it, where it leads us and allow it to, and allow ourselves to just follow that journey, right? And so to elaborate on, on what you said, no, I, I didn't grow up, you know, sipping um, high quality tea. I grew up drinking like Lipton, when I was sick, and you know, my mom would throw like a Hall's cough drop in it, you know, um, with some some lemon. But, you know, I grew up in West Baltimore and, you know, everything that a person can imagine experiencing in an in a impoverished urban community, I experienced. Right. My father was addicted to heroin. I was raised by a single mom. You know, I was molested at seven. I was, you know, I was shot at by 12. And I grew up with this sense and belief that we weren't, uh, and when I say we, I mean, you know, people in my community, Black people in my community, 
Like we weren't worthy of the things that we saw and glamorized outside of our community, right? And so, you know, then having the the opportunity to go to schools that were in Baltimore County, which again were populated with individuals who didn't look like me, uh, I, I then started to experience racism. I started to experience what it felt like to be other. I started to to really understand, you know what my blackness represented to other parties, right? And so, you know, really trying to fight through these ideals of of who I am and, and where my value lies, uh, especially in comparison to the expectations of, of society externally, those two worlds didn't necessarily match up. Um, and so I, I went through a lot of internal and external trials and tribulations, you know, trying to navigate this this world. Wow. It's so interesting, I think, from an outsider perspective to know who you are today and also to know where you came from, because I imagine that, and I know from our conversations that you have been on quite the journey of healing and self-reflection. And I know that therapy is a big part of your life. And we'll, we'll get into that later, but I'm really curious, how did you find your way into this world of wellness that can sometimes feel elusive, exclusive, you know, how'd you get from A to B? I love that you pointed out, you know, that it feels elusive and exclusive, right? Because even, even now of being in it, it still feels that way, right? And so it feeds the intentionality and the purpose behind the work that I've been doing for the last 10 plus years, right? To help democratize the space. I found wellness well, I, I often say like wellness found me really out of a space of necessity, right? They say necessity is the mother of invention, right? And so I was experiencing dilapidate, not dilapidate, I was experiencing debilitating like anxiety and panic attacks and depression. I was, you know, um, I, you know, uh, lived through a two year addiction of prescription medication, survived two accidental, um, no, two, survived an accidental drug overdose and two failed suicide attempts. Um, and really hit a rock bottom, right? And found that those individuals that I called on for help were only, um, their primary purpose was to keep me sick. So I found the world of wellness. So wellness found me because the Western medical practices that we know of today failed me and failed me significantly, right? It almost cost me my life. And so when you reach this point where you know, you're at a rock bottom and, you know, taking your own life seems like the only option. It can become a bit daunting to find the 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 force needed to bounce back up. Right. But I think for me, you know, I've always been a spiritual person, though I've gone through moments where I didn't necessarily agree with God's um, decisions. And I also, you know, at the time was blessed to be a father of two. And so I had made up in my mind that I wasn't going to allow my children to experience what it felt like to not have a father, mm. you know? And so that really became the foundation of wanting to try something new, right? You know, I grew up believing that I needed to be tough. I grew up believing that vulnerability was weakness. You know, I grew up believing all of these things. And when I, when I, you know, opened my eyes and looked at myself in the mirror, I realized that none of that shit was working. Right. And so it's like my thought process was like, how can I take everything that I think I know about who I am and turn it on its head to become who I believe God thinks that I am? Mm. Right. And so like that became because after that second failed suicide attempt, I kind of threw my hands up and was like, God, you win, because <laughs> even left to my own, you know, actions, I couldn't kill myself right, you know? And for me, I know more people that have been murdered or are in prison than graduated from college. And yet here I am, you know, struggling through, you know, survivor's guilt and still in, in being involved in a lot of the activities that got these people arrested and you know, resulted in some of these people being murdered, and yet I'm alive, right? And and so I, I made it a point to figure out why, you know, and that really started with, you know, self-reflection, doing research, but really it was no longer allowing any outside opinions to determine who I was, 
right? And and I think that was the first step for me. It was really like, you know what? To know me tomorrow is to know a completely different version of who I was yeah. yesterday, yeah. right? I often yeah. say it even now. Like, if you say you knew me last week, you don't <laughs> know me at all. Permission to evolve. Yes. The work continues, right? And yeah. so that was really the foundation. And then it, you know, it kind of transpired into this trinity of wellness that included yoga and juicing and meditation and and then this evening ritual of of tea and that was really like the foundation of it all yeah when when we met we were on the board at bent on learning together which for people that don't know it is a charity that or a nonprofit that teaches yoga to inner city youth and then you went on to become an executive at the yoga alliance which is you know, for people listening, Rebecca and I both come from the the yoga world. Is like a it's a big deal, right? Yoga Alliance is like you know is like the governing body of the yoga industry. Was there like a person, a teacher, somebody who opened the doorway for you that you were like, oh, I see this person doing yoga, or I re read this book on yoga? Like, you know, for me, yoga was like I, I took a class my freshman year in college, and I was like, this is weird and hard, and like, oh shit, I need to do this for the rest of my life, right? So I'm curious, like. You know, especially as a man and as a person of color, right? We don't see a lot of yogis like that out there. Who, who was the person or the inspiration that really opened that doorway for you in the yoga world? It was Tara Styles. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it was Tara. It was, uh, you know, I had been juicing and I'd watched like Fat Sick and Nearly Dead. Mm -hmm. I watched <laughs> Forks Over Knives. Forks yeah. Over Knives. I watched uh, Food Incorporated. I watched crazy sexy cancer like I went into this you know this world of like trying to identify and find people who had healed themselves naturally and holistically and so I was watching a YouTube video with Chris Carr and she had mentioned something about no it wasn't Chris I was I was looking at a, a juice recipe from Tara Styles, and in the video Tara was like I got this juicer from my friend Chris Carr and like at this time, like Chris Carr was like, she was my muse. I was like yeah. obsessed with this woman, right? Yeah. And I was like, well, she was it. Yeah, right. And so I was like, well, if Chris Carr is friends of hers, then who the hell is she? Right. <laughs> like to be friends with Chris Carr. And so like I started Googling and, and, and found out that she was a yoga teacher. And my initial interpretation or impression of yoga was very similar. It was weird, right? I, I found it in like the traditional gym setting where it was like, you know, a group of people would come in at like six in the evening, they would walk in with no shoes on, with a mat under their arm, they'd go in a, a dark room in the back, the door would be closed for like an hour, they'd come back out, they would be sweaty, and anyway, they, they would just leave, right? So I was like, oh, this is some like public sex nastiness happening, you know what I mean? Like, so I'm cool on that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and then when I, you know, I love the way the universe works, because when I was on this journey, I would go to like, a grocery store and I would see community yoga class posted on the poster board, right? Or I would, you know, see a yoga class on an Aflac commercial, right? And so I started seeing these signs. And then, you know, when I when I saw Tara, she made it accessible to a person like me, right? Like there was no Adho Mukha Svanasana, right? It was like, <laughs> I'm gonna go up dog, down dog, high lunge, get into your plank, you know, push up, come up. Like it was words and things that I could readily identify with and understand. And so it made it accessible. And especially at a time like when I had my first panic attack, I was training to be in the men's physique competition, right? Mm -hmm. And so I had my first panic attack in the gym. And, and after going through this entire process and then losing my personal training business, becoming addicted to pills and finding this, this place of, of recovery, I was afraid to like get into my body again. Mm -hmm. you know, it created this fear. And so when I was like in the house by myself, I'd be like, all right, let me see what this down dog thing is about. <laughs> like, let me try this high lunge, low lunge thing and see what happens. Right. And um, and and I and I felt myself like really falling in love with the practice and how it made me feel. And and, and it just became, you know, a part of my day to day ritual and routine. Yeah. And, you know, we all know that the yoga industry is still a very, very female and very white place. I guess, you know, in the older days, it was really men. And now it's like all, all white ladies. And, and we also know how important 
representation is, right? Because you were able to connect with and see yourself in Tara Styles. But I think for a lot of people, you know, it's challenging when you don't see someone who looks like you or who you can, you know, relate to on that level. So I'm curious, like, when you think about the wellness industry, representation, inclusivity, how are you kind of making that a part of your own business brand message mission? Like, is that core to what you're trying to do? It has to be right. Because like, if it weren't for my experiences up to that point, being exposed to communities that, you know, that didn't look like me, you know, I mean, I had an English teacher in middle school who was a white woman and, you know, she loved me dearly. Right. And so all of my experiences with, you know, with white people weren't negative ones. And so having that opportunity to really like say, screw it, I don't care what anybody thinks of me because there's nothing anyone can do to me that I haven't already tried mm -hmm, to do myself. Mm -hmm. I hit rock bottom. Not everybody needs to hit rock bottom. Right. But I did. Right. And so for me, it became an obligation and responsibility to give other people who look like me, who come from where I come from, permission to try something different. We don't have permission to be different. We have to exist in this space of consistent and constant survival. We don't have permission to be vulnerable. We don't have permission to cry and show emotion, right? Like every day is about survival because we have historical context that shows our vulnerability or our sadness never worked in our favor. Right. It worked against us from the time we got sent over to this country, right, to 300 years of of slavery and then segregation and all of these laws and systems. And we've never had the privilege of trying something different, you know, yeah. and fortunately, I was privileged. Right. Regardless of how I got there, I got yeah. there. And so it became an obligation to show other people that, hey. If you can breathe, you can do yoga. If you yeah. can breathe, you can meditate, right? If you can, if you can breathe, you have possibility. And I know the world won't show you what you're capable of, but let me show you what you're capable mm. of. And let me be the living, breathing example of possibility for you. Because whether you get to where I am, you exceed where I am, or you become 5% better than who you are right now, either way we win. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you get to show yourself what you're capable of, which is always the, the hardest person to convince and the most important person to convince. <laughs> a thousand right? percent. Yeah. A thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. And you've always been so open. And I mean, if you're listening, you can tell about sharing your story in a way that it's vulnerable, it's real, but it also inspires others. And you are that, I imagine that unlock for people to see themselves in you and see what is possible for them. You mentioned a phrase, the privilege of trying something different. And I know that you've had the privilege, in part because you've given it to yourself, you've given yourself permission to evolve, of really finding ways to care for your mental health. Like you said earlier, kind of out of necessity. And you've really become an advocate for mental health, especially in communities where mental health might not be talked about as openly as in other communities. If someone is listening to this who's in a dark place themselves, what would you tell them? Thank you for that question. I um, I live by the the saying that you've already survived 100% of your worst days. Mm. Right? And so your track record of survival is 100%. We're 10 out of 10. We're 20 out of 20, right? And so nothing that we face today, I believe, is more challenging than what we faced yesterday, right? I think that the difficulty comes in convincing yourself that it is, right? I think the, you know, the difference between who you believe you are today and who you're capable of being in the future is just a matter of your own belief system mm. and what you're willing to do to get there, right? So if we can remind ourselves on a day to day, this is why I love gratitude, because I don't just express gratitude outwardly. I have to express it internally first. Yes. And so if we can find ourselves in a space where even if we're going through the worst possible situation, what we believe is the worst possible situation, 
we have to remember that we already have the tools necessary to get through it because everything that we've survived up to this point has been in preparation for this point. And then everything that we're going to accomplish moving forward is preparing us for the next chapter, right? And so when we get to a place of recognizing that life isn't happening to us, it's happening for us, and that we are co-conspirators in what the trajectory of our lives looks like, then we have just given ourselves power that the world might try to take away from us. Mm-hmm. You know, we were often told more about what we can't do and less about what we can, right? And and that's the, that's the external factor, right, coming in and trying to be domineering to our destiny. But when mm-hmm. we can flip that, right, and we can claim that we are the captain of our ship, right, that we are the king and queen or whatever on our thrones, right, and we have that power, authority, and permission to live our lives unapologetically as who, as we are and who we believe we are, then we can't lose. When are you running for office? <laughs> I literally was like, someone give this man a microphone. Please, God. We're voting for you. Yeah, you two votes. Done and done. Yeah. Um, no, thank you for that. We're, we're going to... Quote the hell out of you when we promote this episode. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, so one more question about mental health is today, what are your favorite go-to tools to take care of your own well-being? Uh I think my my first tool is is really um spending time with my family. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's a that's a non-negotiable for me, right? And 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 to be completely transparent, like I've been pulling 15, I, I worked 17 hours yesterday in the, in the co-packing facility. Uh, and so for two days, I've been away from my wife and away from my kids, prim- and, and primarily my daughter. She's, she'll be two next month. Oh, she's and, so um, cute. Can't believe she's two already. I remember crazy. when she was, anyway. Yeah, it's crazy, right? It goes fast. And, and so, like for me, um, being able to see her every day, right? Being able to to grow with her and see her growth, um, like that's non-negotiable, right? And so, my family is priority, and, and I know that's counter like American grind hustle, hustle culture, right? Like, oh, you gotta leave your family behind so you can do whatever. Yeah, not me. The other things are, are really um, my morning cup of tea, my evening cup of tea, my afternoon cup of tea, <laughs> um, my 15-minute meditation practice, wherever I can get it in. You know, mm-hmm. I try to do it in the morning, but it's not always that. Um, working out in the morning, I don't care if it's 30 minutes. I give myself at least 30 minutes to get active. It could be 30 minutes of just walking in my neighborhood on a nice day. It could be 30 minutes on my tonal, you know, uh, it could be 30 minutes at the gym. I give myself a minimum of 30 minutes. Uh, I take a magnesium supplement every day um, because that's vital. Um, I, I take a, a valerian root supplement every day, especially in the evening, uh, as it helps me to to get a restful night's sleep. Um, I make it a priority to to shut myself off from technology after a certain period. Um, over the last year, I've fallen in love with listening to cricket sounds in the dark mm, at night. Wow. Is that your like white noise is crickets? It is. That's a good one. That's a good yeah. one. I, I, I Every night, you know. Paul, Paul likes to listen to uh, like water, like rain. And I swear it makes me have to go to the bathroom. So I'm going to switch it up to crickets. Also, Amanda listens. Amanda and I shared a room on a retreat in Spain. Quentin, this will make you laugh. We shared a room on a retreat in Spain. I have to share this, Amanda. And before I sleep, I like my bedroom to be a cave. Dark, quiet, nothing. I'm literally halfway asleep. And Amanda rolls over and is like, hey, Rebecca. Do you mind if I played this heart chakra song while we sleep? <laughs> it's a root chakra song. You want to hear it? I was like, well, what's it sound like? <laughs> this is it. This I is played it. it. I've played I it like, every night since my since my son was a baby. My kids ask for it by name. 
Whoa. Andrew calls it the root chakra, but Molly just calls it the song. I want the song. <laughs> anyway, we did not listen to it. I was like, I was like, I was like, for five minutes or and I was like, no, all night. Oh wow. Like, as, you know, maybe something else that we can <laughs> I need a, my root chakra needs a lot of help, guys. The things you learn about when you have a sleepover with someone. Facts. All facts. <gasps> well. I love it. And it, this makes a beautiful segue into talking about tea. So another fun fact, my husband, Paul, actually has worked a little bit with Quentin on the development of his business because he's also in the, the beverage industry. So I know that you and your wife are co-founders of this business. And one of your kind of slogans is prioritize mental health one sip at a time. So I remember when you were kind of deciding to go all in and launch the business. I remember having conversations with you at that time. And I think, yeah, that's when I introduced you to Paul. Yep. Um, but I'm just curious, like, what was the pain that you were like, all right, we're going to go all in. We're launching this business. What was what was this sort of moment that you said, all right, we're going to do this thing? Yeah. You know, I have been in spaces and, and worked for um, organizations that talked a good game and didn't deliver much on it, right? I'm not one of those guys that likes to talk a lot. I'll, I'll say what I need to say, but you'll see what I do before you hear about me doing it, at, at least for me, right? And so yeah. um, I had been in spaces where it was just like, I was tired of people talking about how they wanted to help the community. And then I would ask them what community they were referring to and they couldn't tell me, <laughs> right? <laughs> I was tired of people saying they wanted to help the community. I would ask what community, and they would say the black community. And I would say, when's the last time you've been to a black neighborhood? <laughs> right. And so it became apparent to me when I walked away from my last job that if I was going to make the impact that I wanted to see in the world, that I was privy enough to be in conversations with people in the community as i am the community yeah. right that i needed to do it myself i had no idea that it would be through tea right and this is where i believe like everything in our lives are really happening for us and not to us because i didn't pray to god that my son would be diagnosed with adhd when he was diagnosed with adhd i still didn't think that i would have a tea company I was still working a regular job. My mission then, you know, after his neurologist suggested that he drink green tea uh, before school because of the L-theanine caffeine connection and how it could help him focus. And we bought green tea and he hated it. I was like, my mission now is how do I make this kid love green tea Yeah. Um, without adding a bunch of sugar and a bunch of, you know, sweeteners to it. And so that was the mission. And once my wife and I realized that it worked, and that it was a tool for him, we were like, what else can we solve for? Mm. It's like, oh, well, I can't sleep at night. I have insomnia. Well, let's make a tea for that. You know, we had a daughter that was just, you know, coming into her womanhood and, and was experiencing those, that cramping sensation, you know, it was like, yeah, well, let's make a tea for that. It was like, oh, well, you know, we're having, you know, I'm getting migraines again. Oh, well, let's make a tea for that. Right. And so like before you knew it, we had like eight or nine different tea blends that we were just drinking as a family. And it was again, it was after I walked away from my job, you know, I was really sitting down drinking a cup of tea and really like contemplating what my next move was. And I just kind of like nudged my wife and was like, why don't we make available for other families what we created for our own? And let's just do it. And she looked at me and was like, let's do it. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And obviously like not, not quite a first time entrepreneur, but first time in the CPG space, it's, it's yeah. qu quite different. Um, very different. Yeah. I I'm sure there was a lot to figure out from the, the first days of like, Oh, we've got an idea. We have a mission and like actually getting like product into people's hands onto a shelf. What were the best tools, resources, lessons that you learned to go from ideation to launch? Because everybody listened to us for the most part. They want to know, how do I do it? I want to know how to do it. For me, and this was just my experience, it was failure. Mm. Failure taught me a, a crap ton, right? Because like our first business wasn't um, 
just tea, right? We wanted to create, we wanted to give people permission to pause. Mm -hmm. We wanted to give people permission to, to take a step away, right? And we wanted to use tea as the conduit, right? As the vessel, right? And so it's like, okay, well, if you're going to make a loose leaf cup of tea, it's going to take you at least 10 minutes, right? So you have 10 minutes to make this cup of tea. After you've spent 10 minutes making this tea, you're not just going to want to guzzle it down and then go right back to, you know, the rat race of life. So we wanted to sell tea, but then also sell items that would accompany mm, the experience. The, yeah, the ritual. Right? Yeah. So we wanted to sell throws and blankets and pillows and candles. And so when we launched, we launched with a bunch of items. Wow. And none of these other items sold. <laughs> I think I sold like one planter case that I built and nothing else sold. And I'm like, we have incredible blood. And I got, I'm a, I love interior design. So I was like, I know that this stuff was dope. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> I it was. You know, nobody wanted it. They wanted the tea. And then the second month of our launch, we launched January 15th with Loose Leaf and all of these other items. February was Black History Month, um, uh, 2021. And I was able to get an opportunity on the local news to tell the story of why we created the tea company. And that flooded, you know, we did probably $20,000 in sales that month, right? Our second month out the gate. And it was only tea. Still, nobody bought a blanket. Nobody bought a pillow. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I couldn't sell a, I couldn't sell a stuffed animal. Like we, nothing. You know what I mean? They only wanted tea. And so we had to pivot quickly and say, all right, we'll take the lesson. I'll use these pillows. I will use the blankets, right? And we'll give people what they want. And, and we listened, you know, we, we, we studied what people wanted and what they didn't. We welcomed feedback. You know, we sent it to, you know, individuals in the wellness space that I was familiar with. Um, I sent it to family members. What do you think? Be brutally honest, right? Some people were like, look, this flavor is trash. Get rid of it. Okay, cool, right? No wonder no one is buying it again, right? And so we listened and we operated out of a space of humility and integrity and we let our egos go. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know what people wanted, but they told us. Yeah. You know, and once and once they told us we were able to pivot and move and shift and we accounted that every loss wasn't a loss. It was a lesson because all it did was help us to give people what they wanted and position ourselves in a space of being successful. Right. And so for us, it was like we had this grandiose idea and we failed quickly. Right. But within that failure, like we learned a lot. And I think. And I I only use the word failure because it's a word that is familiar. I think the only failures in life are when we choose not to act. I don't think that we can actually fail if we try. If we put forth the effort, I don't believe that failure is possible, right? We just learn if we choose to. The only time failure would then exist after that is if we choose not to learn. Isn't it amazing how um, business lessons and spiritual lessons are exactly the same? I sometimes smirk at things my clients say, and I'm like, oh, uh, in the Yoga Sutra. All comes back to yoga. They have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm like, well, the Buddha said. <laughs> but yeah, that you learned that from creating projections that were not met during Q3. But okay, let's let's right. look. Right, right, right. Anyway, no, I had no idea that you launched with Home Goods first. I That's knew. It. I remember the teapots. Yeah, we had teapots. Yeah. We had cups. Uh, the website was our human home, right? Because we wanted to really connect with people on a human level, and it was really an introduction. Um, you know, like our home to your home. Yeah, you know, and 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 that was really the foundation of it. Yeah. What was the, the other was name? There? there was another name before Equity. Greenhouse right? Tea Company. Greenhouse Tea Company. Yeah. So that was the tea company. Our human home was the website because that was the that yeah. was the place where we we wanted to sell all of the things, you know. And then once we realized nobody was buying anything else, 
we switched the domain over and we became Greenhouse Tea Company. Yeah. You know, but the mission was always geared toward the prioritization of mental health, right? Because even giving ourselves that 10 minutes to pause, that three minutes to steep can also be a three minute meditation, mm. right? It can be mm -hmm. three minutes of reflection, right? The average cup of tea takes three minutes to steep, right? It's going to take another three minutes for that water to get to your desired temperature. Yeah. Right. So we're talking six minutes right there that you wouldn't ordinarily have given yourself permission to have. Mm. And then to really enjoy that cup of tea, you want to sit somewhere and be still and, and use that as a moment of contemplation, reflection, or, or just pause, right? That's another four minutes. So now we have this 10 minute process and 10 minutes of, of peace that you wouldn't have ordinarily given yourself. And, and, you know, and so we wanted to make that as comfortable as possible. It's like going in the yoga studio and getting blocks and bolsters. Yeah. Straps, right? <laughs> like that was the whole purpose of like the the blankets and the pillows and all of the other items. If you still have them, <laughs> I want a blanket yeah. and a pillow. <laughs> no, it's it's incredible though. Even in only ten minutes, how much can shift? We often think that we need to like you said earlier, like go to the gym for an hour and a half every day or meditate for 20 minutes twice a day in order for anything to happen. Mm -hmm. But if you give yourself permission to take 10 minutes, almost as an experiment and just notice the shifts, mm -hmm. I find that I personally am always shocked time and time again of how yeah. impactful just a short amount of time can be. That's the trickery, right? Like society mm -hmm. wants you to believe that if you're not, you know, meditating for three and a half hours a day, you know what I mean? You can't levitate, you know, and you, you know, whatever, like, you know, all of these, whatever it is, right? Like that, that you can't do it, you know, it's, it's incremental. Yeah. So what do you wish you would have known before starting the Equity Co? And is, and conversely, is there anything that you're glad that you didn't know, like an ignorance is bliss moment? Yeah, I'm I'm glad that I didn't know how hard it was going to be. Yeah. Because 17 of, hours in the co-packing facility. Yeah, I mean even before that, right? Like this is an on-the-job training. You know, I mean you have a lot of people that give a lot of bad advice, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're relying on, you know, certain people to to help you with understanding and help you with problem solving and then you get this advice and then you're like, "Okay, this sounds great. It makes sense." And then you go do it and then, you know, you just spent however thousand dollars out the window. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, now, now how am I going to still get the desired result? Right. Without kicking out the additional time or, or expense. And and so, you know, this is the hardest thing I've, I think I've ever done. And so, and, and I, I own my own personal training business and all of that was great. It was just me, but working in CPG, this is a different animal and working in beverage. Right now we're in a different world, you know, so it's like, I'm glad that I didn't know how difficult it would be because if I did, then I may not have done it. Yeah. Yeah. And I love what you shared. One of the things that we tell our clients and our community a lot is uh, to be wary of opinion shopping um, because the truth is like people will tell you something that's supposed to work, but just because it worked for them doesn't mean it's going to work for you. And if you ask six people, you might get six different pieces of advice about what's going to work. And then you have to sift through it. And um, so, you know, it, it goes back to what you said earlier about failure, right? Like it's inevitable to take missteps in whatever you're doing, whether it's life, career, building a business and using that as your best data to learn from, you know, not being afraid to ask for help, but also knowing that, Hey, you know, this, this is the first time anyone has built the equity co, right? So this is the first time people are going to have this, these problems. No yeah. one's actually walked your path or built your business. So that in some ways that can be freeing <laughs> in other ways it can be terrifying, but it's the truth. So like, you might as well know it now, like you're going to make mistakes and no one's going to have the solution for you. You just have to go through it and learn and pick yourself up. Yeah. And, and, and for me, it was like really remembering the why, mm -hmm. right? It's like, why am I doing this? Right. When, 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 when I get to those days where I'm like asking myself, like, what the hell did you do? And like, why did you choose this? 
I can remind myself why. I can remind myself that if I had a child that was seven years old, it was nine by the time we got everything situated with T, that was struggling with his mental health, that needed an alternative, and we couldn't find one. If I had that story, and this is where why I'm so vulnerable and why through my body green, I started sharing my story. I didn't start sharing my story anywhere prior to MBG. And it was actually Carrie Shaw, who was the editor at the time, who pushed me to really dig Shout out Carrie. (laughs) Carrie was amazing. She was was there when I started. She was a special person. She was. And and she she had told me, like, you're hiding something. And I'm like, you're right. So what? <laughs> Cats out the bag, right? And she's like, no, you don't know how many people are living with living and experiencing what you've survived. Like, tell your story. Wow. And like, she was the first one that did it for me. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, you send me a list of questions. I'll answer them honestly. You put this thing together. You send it back to me. I'll give you the green light and we can put it out into the world. And that's exactly what she did. Right. Cause prior to that, it was like five things you should take to the gym. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, I'm familiar with those. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, you know, I drank water for 24 hours for three days. This is what it did to me. Right. Yeah. It was like those type of things. Right. But, the fluff, um, the wellness fluff. That is, there's yeah. a lot of it, and uh, no shade to the fluff. Love the fluff. L- listicles but... perform. Yeah, yeah we, listicles we did wonderful. <laughs> you know, for me, right, I, was, I was the listicle king. Uh, you know what I mean? All about anxiety and yoga and being black, right? Uh, so, <laughs> for um, those listening, seven is the magic listicle. It number. is the number. It is the number. Mm. Everything that I did with sevens blew up. So I was like, you know, that's, that's probably why seven became my favorite number. Uh, <laughs> Makes sense. It was, you know, um, but yeah. So to go back to the original question, the statement was because I had experienced what it felt like to connect to other people that were struggling. I knew that as a father, as a parent, when you see that in your child, you want to change that immediately. So if I had something that worked for my child, the nerve of me to think that I had permission to hoard that. So even when it gets challenging, my why is greater than my company. Mm. My why is greater than just me. The why for equity is going to exist far beyond the namesake, Mm -hmm. right? It's going to live in the generational shifts it's going to live in the generational curses that are being broken. Mm. It's going to live in, you know, the destigmatization of mental health. It's going to live in people finding inspiration and motivation to get clean. Mm-hmm. It's going to live in people finding permission to ask for help and not killing themselves, right? Like that's where this the why is going to live and exist. Right? So if you can hold firm to your why, and understanding that your why is so much greater than your right now, golden. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is a great segue. We'd love to hear. We know you're now launching with canned beverages in addition to your loose leaf teas. You got one right there. Oh, look at that. So sexy. So beautiful. Which is so exciting all over the country. Massive expansion. What is next for the Equity Co? What's next for you guys? You know, for me, it's really... um, it's continuing to expand our our footprint, right, in retail, um, but also as a as a direct to consumer product. But it's you know for me more than anything, it's really about being able to up level community conversations about mental health and addiction recovery, right? Like I've been doing this work before Equity, and will continue to do it through Equity, right? And so. You know, I think Equity has come on and, and, and has really embodied 30 plus years of challenge and struggle. You know, even even the name Equity, right? It really speaks to the support of marginalized communities. I don't care who that is, right? You know, it could be the LGBTQ plus community. It can be women. 
Um, it can be, you know, black and brown folks. It can be whoever has felt othered, like like really othered, right? Like not not like, yeah, I, you know, I was in a room full of women and I was the only man and I felt othered because I couldn't understand what was going on. Like not that other, right? Like really societally and systemically yeah. marginalized and oppressed, right? Equity represents that, right? And we represent the democratization of wellness, of beverage, of culture, you know? So God only knows exactly what's next, mm -hmm. right? But looking at how quickly and how impactfully we've been able to move and navigate, I'm not concerned about chapter yeah. two. Nope, not we concerned. Can't we cannot yeah. wait to see it. Yeah. So one more question for you before we end with our rapid fire questions. What are you hopeful about when it comes to the future of how we as a society talk about and discuss and approach mental health care? Mm. Uh, I'm hopeful that through the shared dialogue and experiences of us as a collective, as human beings, right? I'm hopeful that we can start to see a shift in how we view our differences, right? And recognizing that even within our differences, we have more in common, right? We are all living, breathing human beings souls, spirits, having a human experience. And I think when we can break down the barriers of our difference and start to see beauty in those differences, right, and not see a threat, not see criticism and critique and trying to one-up each other because of our differences, we can really see the potential and the beauty of what it means to be human right like people often like my kids primarily because they're always like would you rather play that game? <laughs> it's like you know what i would rather not play this game to be completely honest. <laughs> but you know i was asked once like it wasn't even a would you rather it was like if you believe in reincarnation what animal would you want to come back as i was like yeah i want to come back as a human mm -hmm. 100% of 100% of 100% of the time, right? Because I believe in our potential. I believe in our power. And I believe that when we tap into something greater than us, we are tapping into divinity mm. and God's intentionality. And I don't believe that God makes mistakes. God gave us free will so we can make those mistakes. He gave us that free will so we can learn from those mistakes, right? And through those mistakes, we could learn to be better human beings to one another and to ourselves. And by having these conversations, I'm hopeful that we eventually get there. I may not see it. Yeah, maybe um, our kids, our little two-year-old girls. I'm hopeful that our kids get to yeah. experience it in a we way that get, Yeah, not. yeah. Oh, well, I, you know, the, the why behind Rebecca and I doing this work, honestly, we want to see more leaders in the world like you, more leaders who are truly purpose-driven, not just purpose on a piece of paper, but purpose in their heart, in their soul, in their words. Um, so we're so grateful that you're here. And we do have a couple of rapid fire questions for you. Uh -oh. All right, um, you ready? They're, they're I, easy. They're I, quick. I, I okay. Get this I didn't get, I didn't get this <laughs> you're going to crash it. Best tip for working smart. The best tip for working smart. Uh, what are you saying? Say drinks. We're just saying drinks. <laughs> we're, we're doing the tea motion. This is uh, like this is your business. Go. Yes, drink some tea. Drink. What, what kind of tea, Quentin? Equity. Yeah. Well, right. Is it green green tea? What's the what's the work workday tea? What's the one that gets your brain ready to go? Uh, I would say it would, for me, starting the day with the green tea, um, because it has a, a smaller amount of caffeine, also has the L-theanine, so you get that calm focus. 
And then like that, um, you need that extra energetic boost, that slow rise, you, you mm -hmm. go to black tea. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, when you're done um, with your day and you're ready to unwind, you get that you get that hibiscus and rebuild Ooh. your immune system so you can start the day and do it again. Love that. OK, best tip for working happy. Gratitude. Mm, love that. And last question, where can our listeners find you? Uh, Quentin Vinny everywhere. Instagram. I'm not going to say everywhere because I'm not everywhere. I'm not on TikTok. I'm not <laughs> barely on Facebook. I don't really check Twitter. So Quentin Vinny on Instagram and LinkedIn. Uh, and where all the grown folks are. Right, right? Right, where, 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 where the adults, you know, hang and bang. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> um, and you know, equity. You know, we we are uh we're gearing up for a national retail launch um in March. And you know, uh I will be ten toes down hitting the road, um, looking to really connect with people and, and and build community so you know you want to see where i am find out where equity will be mm, and eventually i'll be there too amazing well we know that you have a lot going on right now again literally joining us from your co-packing facility as you gear up for this big national launch so we are just over the moon grateful that you took the time to join us today you have so much wisdom to share you are the real deal like Amanda said, our wish for leaders, for entrepreneurs, for executives is that they would have the same real sense of purpose, real sense of giving and gratitude that you do. You are, you're just an inspiration to us and to so many out there. So thank you. And we thank cannot you. wait to watch this new national launch unfold. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I I, I share your sentiment, right? When you, when you think about being real, being honest and being authentic, you know, um, you two individuals are two of the most genuine people I, I, I know. Right. And so, you know, when this opportunity came, it was a no brainer for me. Right. It was really like, I don't, we just need to find the time. Yeah. Um, and we're going to find the time, you know, yeah. Amanda, you and I, we've shared some really deep, deep conversations, you know, back in those BOL mm -hmm, days. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know, Rebecca, you and I have shared some really, really deep and personal, you know, interactions and conversations in those MBG days, mm -hmm. right? And, and you've always been authentic and truthful and honest and operated out of a space of integrity, you know? Um, and so, like, I'm grateful to have you both in my corner in my life and to be able to call you friends and and, and extended family. And um, so... Just sending all my love and, and well wishes and, and blessings your way, um, because I think what you've embarked on is something absolutely incredible and, and much needed. Mm, we love Thank you so you. much. We love you. And we can't wait to share this episode with the world. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Full Plate, Full Cup. If you found this episode helpful, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review and share it with a friend. To learn more about the Full Plate Full Cup methodology or to work with us in a more personal way, find us on Instagram at Full Plate Full Cup. That's at F-U-L-L-P-L-A-T-E-F-U-L-L-C-U-P or online at www.fullplatefullcup.com. www.fullplatefullcup.com.